Okay, Tzoraim Tov, we continue in the Sefer Das Hasviros, where we'll be learning the third and final installment of essay number 20 of Yichud Kutshebrichu Shechinte, unifying Kutshebrichu and the Shechina. So there are two ways of bonding. One is called face-to-face, and one is called back-to-back. And they are exactly what they suggest. The Rizal discusses these two forms of pairing. And the difference between them, as you would understand, is face-to-face expresses a conduct of the ultimate flow from the light of Hashem and the simcha and Hashem giving with a lot and receiving as much as Hashem wants to give. That's the perfect yichud, unity, of Kuchabrichu, the six lower spheres, is giving as much as possible face to face, and the recipient can receive it. On the other hand, back to back, as it suggests, it's a conduct of giving only a little bit to keep the receiver alive and not to be totally lost. So, just like if you're really happy with somebody, you're looking right at them and you're giving them a gift, you're giving them as much as you want. If you're not so happy, you're not looking at them, and you're giving to them like indirectly and just enough for them to keep on going. So when we had a Beis HaMikdash, the connection between Kutshebrich and the Shechina was face-to-face, and there was a great flow through all the physical and spiritual worlds. But after the destruction, that connection has become back-to-back, except at certain times as we will discuss shortly. And therefore, the spiritual energy, physical and spiritual energy, is limited just enough to keep us going. Now, what is our avoda, especially during the Gullahs in this time, is to cause through our learning Torah and our doing mitzvahs that there should be a connection between Kuchabricha and the Shechina that is face-to-face and not back-to-back. And that's when we say this L'Shem Yichud, before we do a mitzvah, is to cause to be the complete unity, and that's a face-to-face unity. Now, of course, there are other possibilities. There is back-to-face. Sometimes the receiver is looking and wants to get but the giver is turning his back and is not going to give uh, as much as we may want. So that's another version. But the main ones are these two, face-to-face and back-to-back. Now, with this we can explain that during times of prayer, there is the opportunity of this aspect of face-to-face. And similarly, on Shabbos, there's this opportunity of face-to-face. And this is the virtue that Shabbos has over all the other days. As we say, the Kiddash to Hashem sanctified it, Mikol Hazmanim from all the times. Because the Shabbos is elevated more than any other time because now you have this connection uh, that exists, which does not exist during the other days of the week. So, therefore, the concept is on Shabbos, we have an illumination that's face-to-face, and that creates the Kedusha of Shabbos. Okay? However, therefore, 
And that only is because the shape, the form of that connection on this day is face to face. And that makes Shabbos separated and elevated from any other Kedusha of the other days, which were when there's no Beis Hamikdash. Remember, what, what we say about the Beis Hamikdash in space, we say about Shabbos in time. So in space, there's a place where it could be face to face, Beis Hamikdash. We don't have the Beis Hamikdash. So in time, on Shabbos, we can have this face to face. And this gives a great place for man to reflect that the time of prayer in the Shmon Esrei is also a time of being able to connect face to face. And similarly on Shabbos. So therefore, that if everybody understands that when you're dialing Shmon Esrei, it's not, it's not fitting and proper to speak about things that don't have to do with the situation of when you are standing before the king. And not to think about other uh, lowly things at this time when you're speaking to Hashem. This is the time where Hashem says, okay, during the rest of the day, it's not so much face to face, but I'm giving you this opportunity to create this face to face relationship. Hashem says, okay, I'm going to look at you. But the question is, are you focused on Hashem? If we're not focused, if we don't pause and say, okay, now I'm facing Hashem. Hashem, I want to receive everything you have to give me, then that's great. But if you're thinking about other things, that's not going to work. And that's why we're very particular. We don't want people bringing in cell phones. We don't want anything to disturb, even by accident, that face-to-face experience. And that's precisely what happens on Shabbos that for the 25 hours we're found in a face-to-face moment with Hashem. And therefore we shouldn't do things on Shabbos that don't connect us to Hashem, such as reading secular newspapers or things like that. We have to be involved in things that directly connect us with Hashem and therefore our behavior has to suit that. And therefore all the halachas of Shabbos fit into that where you know we don't touch muktza, we don't uh, speak about things that we're not allowed to do on Shabbos, and really it's a time primarily of praying to Hashem, learning Torah, and of course we, we we're trying to do the mitzvah of v'haftlareicha kamocha, which happens between within a family to show your love for your family, to show your love for your friends, and that's what you want to express on Shabbos as well. But it's all in the context of Hashem is sitting right here on Shabbos with us. And now how would we behave when Hashem is in front of us? And we want to receive everything that Hashem wants to give us of understanding on Shabbos. Okay, now, uh, the Arizal also explains that similarly, remember, just like we said, there's two bondings. There's shchint, there's kuchabricha shchint on the bottom, and then aban ima, which is chachmambina. There's also a concept of face to face and back to back in the mind. So let's try to see how that fits into avodas Hashem. And that is, there's two aspects of how a person recognizes Hashem and connects to Hashem during his life. One is, as most people, they live their lives that they don't really live with Hashem, with a feeling that I am nochach lifnei Hashem. I am present before Hashem. But we understand what Hashem wants from them and how we, we do it. 
And uh, in other words, let's say you're getting a good parnasa. Uh, so from getting a good parnasa, you figure Hashem is illuminating a very nice countenance to him. Oh, I guess Hashem's liking me now. Parnasa is good. And if I don't have so much parnasa, it looks like Hashem's not facing me so much. Or health, or things like that. So when we when we relate to Hashem that way, that's a back-to-back relationship because we're not really catching the essence of what's going on over here, but we're just making some kind of external comparison. You're saying, oh, Hashem's, Hashem's happy with me. Things are going well with me. Okay, that's that's missing the point. As we're going to give a marshal in a minute. So, okay, so Hashem's supporting, but that's back-to-back. Much higher level when a person lives facing Hashem and he feels Hashem with an inner deep grasp in every moment of your life. In other words, as you're about to leave the building, you're going to say, what's Hashem's Ratzon for me right now as I'm leaving the building? That's a whole different grasp. And that's face-to-face where you're living. Imagine, imagine you're walking out of the building with your wife. And there's a pretty lady across the street. Are you going to gaze at that lady to the point your wife's going to notice that you're gazing? Not a smart idea. She wouldn't like that. So if you're walking out with Hashem the same way, or if you're walking with your wife and she does something nice, do you talk to her and you say that was a very smart thing you said and I appreciate what you said, but it's like you're talking to that person. So that's a great avoda to purify himself and to raise up this point of emunah and pitacham to be on this higher level. And that's a punning, a punning relationship where wherever you go, your imamish, talking to Hashem. What's the mushal? What's the analogy help us understand this? So let's say you have a child that says to the father that he loves him. And we ask, well, why do you love your father? Because my father bought me a bicycle. That's what I love. My father got me candies. Okay, well, that's that's what a little child can understand. He doesn't understand the depths of that relationship. But really, uh, the, a deeper understanding is he doesn't need any proofs to know that he loves his father. He loves his father because he loves his father. Right? As we mentioned in the Parsha class this week, we said that do you... Do you uh, love a person because you need a person? Or you need a person because you love the person? So if you love the person because you need them, that's a back-to-back relationship. If you need the person because you love the person, that's a front-to-front relationship. So that is what we, our avoda is to create this front-to-front relationship as much as possible. And similarly, there's two ways of understanding when we're learning Torah. There's times when a person is, lo- is learning a topic within Torah and he grasps the deep concepts and the roots and he really understands the essence of the concept. So that's like face-to-face with that knowledge that he's learning. And the other time, person doesn't really get the essence of it, but he has a simple understanding, and okay, everything seems to fit in, but that's a back-to-back understanding. The 
biggest proof to that is can you say it over to somebody and explain it to somebody else who hasn't heard it. Okay, with this now, we get to a little bit of a tricky idea and it would work a lot better if I had um, a picture to show you, which is not so easy. But uh, Rizal says um, uh, that in the world of the broken world, we say that the Ab and the Ima, the connection is back to back. And in the repaired world, it's face to face. Now, when you write the letter Tzadi, a figure, a printed Tzadi in front of you, a printed Tzadi. So there's a, there's a machlokas between the Arizal and the Chazon Ish as to how, if you look in a Sefer Torah, how the printed Tzadi should look. Now try to visualize in your mind that you have a nun, a printed nun, with a yud on top of the nun. Okay? So the nun, because that's what the tzadi is like a nun, a little bit bent, with a yud to the right of it. So very interesting. The Arizal says that when you write the nun, and it's also, uh, uh, okay, so anyway, so the Arizal says that the way you write the yud is backwards away from the nun. You put the spine of the yud is facing to the left, backwards, okay? And, uh, and the Chazanish says, no, that you have the Yud facing directly the top of the Nun. So why is that? So the Chazanish says that since we are now in the world of Tikkun, so the connection between Ab and Ima is face to face, and therefore the Yud, the two Yuds, well, the Nun, the top part of the Nun, which is sort of really a Yud, and the other Yud should be facing each other. Punim el punim. Okay. And only in the world of destruction are they back to back. While the uh, Arizal says no, that really we're in a time of destruction still, and therefore the Yud is reversed. So if you'll take a look in your uh, Sefer Torah, or if you look in a, uh, a, what do you call it, a Tikkun, you'll see that there is a Machlokas, exactly the Tzadi that represents Tzadik Yisod Olam, the foundation of the world, is it a front-to-front or back-to-back relationship? Fine. Now, another important thing to add, we talk about this pairing up between both Kutchabrich and Shechina and Abba and Ima, is that there is what we call general partnership, and then there is what we call an essential partnership. Okay, what does that mean? So we could say there's a general partnership, let's say, in the times of prayers or Shabbos or holidays. That's a, that's a general partnership that can happen with these days. But then there's an essential partnership where a person, through his actions, uh, um, is able to connect uh with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and receive the flow from Hashem based on the value of his prayer and the depths in which he creates it. So that, that's one idea. 
Okay, so there's one way that you can kind of create that. But besides that, there's a whole specific one that depends a lot on the actual mitzvahs and the Torah that the person does during the day. That if a person does a specific mitzvah or learns Torah at a certain time, this time itself is an auspicious time of things coming together. So that's what we would call the uh, essential. So you've got ones that are more created or one that the time is the one that enables that to happen. And the final point he says in this chapter is a big, big concept called alios ha'olamos, which means the worlds rise and elevate, which we'll understand more when we're going to do the next mimer, which we may start today, which is the idea of the various worlds that exist, which we'll get to shortly. But the Arizal says is a concept of alios ha'olamos, the worlds elevate themselves. For example, on Shabbos, Shabbos, there's an aliyah, an elevation for all of all the worlds. And so on holidays, there's elevations. Now, what does that mean? So let's give an example of this. Just let's say a person where if his mind, <coughs> excuse me, if his mind is very, uh, what do you say, um, uh, involved with a certain thought, He's not interested in eating. Yeah, who are the people that eat more, generally speaking? People who are bored. No anything to do, so you have to have something to do. So you're thinking about food. Okay, what if you're really involved in a very complex thing? Whatever it is. So you're not exactly thinking about food. Why? Because your mind has elevated to a higher realm of existence. Okay? When you go to a higher place than normal, then your essence becomes more purified as opposed to a regular time where generally in a regular time you're on a lower level and the lower level of the nefesh wants you to be involved in lower level realities. But let's say you're very much involved in studying Torah. So you've elevated to a higher place and because you're in that higher place of thought, so this lower thoughts of food don't come to you. And they say about, I forgot which one of the secular scientists, it was the guy, I think it was the guy who, uh, uh, Jonas Salk. Jonas Salk, would, his wife would pack him a lunch. He'd go to work. He'd come home, he'd bring back the lunch, didn't touch it at all. Why? Because he was so busy with his scientific experimentations and it was so exciting. Who could stop to eat? It's totally not necessary. Or Lahavdal, the Vilna Gaon, if he got to a Gemara he really did not understand, he wouldn't eat for days. He doesn't even think of being hungry because you're on a higher level. Okay? That's so, so there we have the person. The person, you, you, we can be in different realms of existence. I can be in the realm of low physical course existence and I think about eating. It's not terrible, but it's a certain realm. But then I can be on a higher realm where in that realm, eating is so not important. And I am focusing on much loftier concepts and that's where I am at that point in time. So that's where the person, 
So now when we talk about the spiritual worlds that we'll get into more discussion, we have the worlds of Bria, Yitzir, and Asiya, which we'll explain. So those are separate worlds that don't really have that much connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and they're much lower uh, aspects. There's much less revelation of Hashem as we go down that. But then at certain times, Hashem reveals more to those worlds and those worlds focus and, and relate to something loftier. And what's the greatest example? That Shabbos. Shabbos, and we have the idea of alios alamos, where the world itself focuses on something higher. Where the physical elements of the world that generally conceal more of HaKadosh Baruch Hu are focused more on Hashem. So like one of the examples they would give is the Sambachon River. The Sambachon River is that river on the other side, wherever it is, we don't know where it is. It's where the 10 tribes got lost. So anyway, the Sambachon River during the week is uncrossable. The waves, the rocks, everything, you cannot cross the Sambachon River. All of a sudden, Shabbos, psh, come. Why? Because it knows it's Shabbos. It's, it's elevated itself, whatever that means to the physical world. But they become more connected to a higher reality and act less based on that level. And that's going to happen when Olam uh, Haba comes. The world will completely be elevated. Okay, so that's this idea that realms can become elevated. So that's why at Shabbos, the world comes to a place of what we call pre-creation, where Hashem is the only reality, and all the worlds get a higher understanding or higher um, uh, effect of realizing the godliness within the world, and the world can rise up to that potential that doesn't show during the six days of the week. And that's what a person is supposed to do as well. And that's the time where you can focus on much higher things and what you do on Shabbos is so much more valuable. Now he makes a very interesting distinction. He says, what's the difference between Alios Olamos, elevating the world, and Zivug, these partnerships between Kuchabricha and Shemitei and Abenima? What's the difference? So he said, when we deal with a Zivug, a partnership, we're connecting two separate realities. Kachabrichu is one reality, the six lower spheros. The Shechina is the seventh, the Malchus. Two separate realities come together. But when one realm elevates into another realm, it gets incorporated into that realm and is nullified to that realm. So Abanima, Chachman, Bina, they're both there at the same time, but they work together. But if a world elevates, it becomes incorporated, so it's a much deeper connection because it's subsumed in a higher realm. So therefore, you have certain times where everything gets subsumed into that higher realm, such as Mincha by Shabbos, where the Rizal says mystically that the Malchus elevates into the realm of Bina. It's stuff beyond what we can understand right now, but it's a greater connection. So when worlds elevate, you have greater connection. When uh, re when realms connect, 
it's uh, not as a deep connection. Each one is still strong, each, but each one is itself. When you go to a higher realm, you give up yourself and you become part of the higher realm. Okay, the next section is an addendum to this chapter that's really very hard and not so relevant at this stage. So I'm skipping right to chapter 21 and we got another five minutes to go into this. And this one's going to take a few days. There's really very little left to the book. This chapter, three more chapters, four more, four more chapters left. So in chapter, essay 21, we talk about the worlds of Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. This is where we talk about the four spiritual worlds. We have to explain what these mean. Okay, but in general, there are there is an the devolving reality of worlds from the highest world that's called Atsilus, to the world below that that's called Bria, to the world below that's called Yitzira, to the world below that that's called Asiya. And we have to understand what is the major avoda that we have. Now, each realm, each world has its own ten spheros. Each world has its own ten spheros. Okay? And, uh, Let's give an example where the worlds come into play. The famous one, and when we, Baruch Hashem Menachem told me he got the, the, the book Das Hatvila, which is another whole book on Tvila. He got me a few more books on, we got one on marriage. So uh, hopefully we'll, when he comes, we'll be able to start those. And we just talk about prayer. So prayer, the Rizal says, from the beginning of Davin, when you start Brachos, right in the beginning, through Karbanos, you are in the world of Asiya, which is this world down here with action. We'll explain in a minute more. When you move to Psukhati Zimra, you're moving up to a higher world. Okay, the world of Yitzira. When you go higher from Borchu through the Shema, it's the world of Bria. And when you get to the Amidi, the world of Atsilus. So you're going up through realms of existence, but I haven't explained the worlds yet. Okay, but each world which we'll just say for simple English, a plane of existence, very similar in certain aspects to the faces that we talked about. But let's go through the, the names of the worlds and what on a very simple level they represent. Now this all hinted to in the book of Isaiah. Or in the book of Isaiah, it makes a subtle references to all these concepts. So the, the order of this uh, is as follows. The very top is called the world of Atsilus, which is also called the world of thought. And that's the world of the source of all of divine energy. And that's all part of the thought of what Hashem wants to do to the world. And in that world, it is all God's illumination and there's no place for anything but that. No place for evil, no place for divisiveness, it's called atzilus from the word netzal to be distilled or etzal, which means next to. And it's the highest realm that's next to, so to speak, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, everything there is perfect and connected with no differences. Okay. And uh, of course, there's a little bit of constraint because it's Hashem's first expression of what potentially exists there. So that's all in the realm of thought, so to speak, which would be very much relevant to the Kesser and things like that. 
So that's the first thought, and that's the first realm. There's a realm of existence of Hashem's thoughts, and that's all, you can't mistake it for Hashem, and that's all there is. We can't even try to hijack it and say, no, it can be used for something else, it can be corrupted. There's nothing to play around with over there. Those are the raw energies of Hashem's thought. Eitzel, next Hashem. Then comes a lower world called Bria that comes down from Atzilus, and that is the beginning of some type of creation. And that's also called the world Yesh Mayayin, something from nothing. There's something in relation to the world of Atzilus which is complete godliness. And that rule of Atzilus is like, I we don't understand what it is. But the next world of Bria is like we talk about the world of the Merkava, the holy chariot. Um, there can be potential for evil to sneak into that area because Hashem has to allow free will choice even in higher realms. Many of the highest angels are there. They're the ministers of the throne of glory who are responsible for all conduct as it will flow down to the lower realms of the world. That's the second realm. Again, these are realms you can't see, you can't touch, they're beyond. Then comes the third world, the world of Yitzira, that comes from Bria, from where Yitzira, which means a form and a fashion, because now things to take some kind of a shape, and the flow begins to go, but it's still an F, it's a, it's a metaphysical reality. It's also called the world of the angels, the more common angels, and there's so many angels in that world. And then finally, we have the world of Asiya, which is our world that includes the stars, the constellations, everything that is physical. And Asiya comes word Masa from actions, that everything now has filtered down into this world. So those are the general four worlds. So we only really are aware of this world. But we will see shortly, they're all interconnected. And what Hashem does, he starts from the world of Atzilus and starts bringing it down. And in each of those worlds, there's 10 spheros. And then it goes from one world to the next world to the next world till it comes down to us. And what the great excitement over here is that all the illumination from Hashem, let's say Chesed, and all these things start from the world of Atzilus. Then it goes through, um, that's the potential energy. And then in the world of Bria, where it now is given to certain, uh, a force is, ready, is starting to come out. And then in Yitzira, the Malachim start taking that force and they want to bring it into this world. And then into the world of Asiya, through the galaxies and through the, uh, um, what do you call astrology, Hashem makes it come into this world where we can mamish relate to it. And then of course, things can go back up the pipe as well. So what's really happening in terms of worlds, each world is more ethereal than the next. This world is a world that you really can feel, touch, and that's the way this plane of existence exists. The higher realm are the energies of the Malachim bringing down those energies of the 10 spheros of HaKadosh Baruch Hu so that they'll be ready to come into this world. And they in part get energy from the higher world and they get in part energy from the higher world to that. What we'll see tomorrow is that the human being, part of the human, the human being has all four worlds inside of himself. 
or connected to these four worlds. And that's why human being is a micro universe of every aspect. So this is just the first step and we'll get much more into it. Things will get a little more clearer as we go through this as well. Okay, shkoyach everybody. Okay, very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm.